0: These are the daily lectionary comments for the December the 29th. We're going to look at Isaiah 55, which talks about the power of God's word and how it will not return to him empty. And we'll see how that that uh, dovetails into the work of, the, uh, of the, um, the servant. Then we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, in which we're introduced to the gospel of Luke and also introduced to its author. Okay, we're going to look at Isaiah 55, but before we do this, we're going to look at Isaiah 53 and 54, again, just very generally. Isaiah 53 is this very famous and profound fourth servant song. And that's where the servant is presented to us as this figure who offers himself as an atoning sacrifice for Israel and on behalf of Israel for all the world. He doesn't just offer himself. It turns out that it was the will of the Lord to crush him he is offered by god as an atoning sacrifice therefore he is in fact the lamb of god this is where so much of this theology comes from is isaiah chapter 53 all right so we've we've talked about that yesterday what we didn't talk about is chapter 54 that was also part of the reading and here's what it says chapter 54 verse 1 it says and this is from yesterday's reading now sing o barren one who did not bear for the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. This follows right after the the work of the suffering servant, the servant of the Lord. It says that uh, the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married. Of course, there's irony here, but who is it talking about? Well, here's what it's saying. Israel was married to the Lord. She lived in the land. However, she was not fruitful. She did not bear the fruit that the Lord sent her to do. She was failing. Ultimately, the Lord divorced her, sent her away with a certificate of divorce. That's an image that Isaiah uses uh, to describe what essentially the exile meant. God is sending you out of the land and is divorcing you. It's in this context then that Isaiah's words to this desolate one who has not borne fruit and who has been rejected by her husband and who is now um, uh, uh, desolate and with nothing. And the promise is your children will be more, even now that you are desolate, your future is brighter now than what you have accomplished in the past. In the past, you were married and brought forth nothing. But God's plan for you in the future is you shall bear forth abundantly. Your children will be innumerable. Now, uh, this is wonderful, wonderful news. But what's important is it follows right after the fourth servant song. In other words, it's because of the work of the servant in taking away the sins of the people that this becomes possible. Look what it says after that, verse two. Speaking of Zion, who is desolate, but whose children will be innumerable, enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back, lengthen your cords and lengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Now, isn't that wonderful? What's that trying? you're saying is that because of the work of the servant of the Lord's servant, being the Lamb of God, and taking away the people's sins uh and <clears throat> now the the result of this is that Zion will explode in size, go to the left and to the right to the north and to the south, <clears throat> will have to expand all of their tents and their your and your children, the children of Zion, will inhabit the earth. This is a result of the work of the fourth. Uh, of of the servant that is described in the fourth servant song. Now, let's take a look at Isaiah chapter 55. 54 talks about the growth of Zion. 55 talks about how this is going to happen. Remember how Isaiah talks about how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Well, now Isaiah 55 is going to talk about that good news. And it's going to talk about how it is that that good news that good news about the servant of the Lord is going to translate into tremendous growth for Zion. It says here, chapter 55, verse 1. This is today's lesson. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Let him who has no money come buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Okay, so we don't know what this milk and and, and, and honey is. We're about to learn. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which is not uh, uh, does not satisfy. So whatever it is that the Lord is offering here, it's not the ordinary kind of bread. It's not the ordinary kind of wine. It's not the ordinary kind of, of honey that a person might buy. But this is something that, that is of, of in, infinitely more value. We're getting behind what Jesus means when he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. Listen, it says, listen diligently to me. Verse three, incline your ear and come to me. Verse five, behold, you shall call a nation that I do not know, okay? And a nation that did not know you shall run to you. So this is talking about how this message regarding the servant and regarding the Lord himself is going to go out to all the nations of the world. And then they are going to come to Zion. And this is what's going to cause this tremendous growth. Look at the very end of of, uh, of, uh, verse five, the Holy one of Israel for he has glorified you. Verse six, seek the Lord while he may be found. Verse eight invites us to contemplate the mystery. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are your thoughts. So, what is happening here with the servant, and with the enlargement of Zion, and with this new uh, milk and and wine uh, that you buy without money and without price? Uh, this bread of life, this word of God, is what we're going to learn, uh, and all of this. Uh, is revealing a mystery, the mystery of God's plan that he's had all along, that through Israel, all the nations of the world shall be blessed. Now, regarding the efficacy, the power of the word of God, listen to these amazing words. Verse 10, he's talking about the word regarding himself, regarding Israel, and regarding Israel's servant, the Christ who laid his life down. Uh, as the Lamb of God, it says, "For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return uh, there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread for the eater, so shall my <clears throat> my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I propose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it." So. This message is going to be proclaimed, and how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who proclaim it. It is the message of salvation through the servant of the Lord, the Christ, the Messiah. Um, And it is the message which will cause Zion to grow exponentially in every direction, and for the offspring of Zion to possess the nations. It's the Word of God that is going to do this, which is exactly what we see in the message of the New Testament. Jesus talks about the the the, the seed, uh, the word of God being like a seed which is being sown and which causes an enormous harvest. In fact, the entire New Testament is about the proclamation of the work of Jesus, the servant of the Lord, to the nations. So that the nations will come flocking to Zion, the Israel of God, the people of the servant. And so little Israel will now become the massive holy Christian church which spreads from one end of the earth to the next and which endures throughout uh, the the time until Jesus comes again. Isaiah 53, 54, and 55 tell an incredible story. Now, Isaiah 53, 54, and 55 are sort of a centerpiece. They're not the only thing about Isaiah that has caused uh, the church to sometimes label and refer to the prophet Isaiah as the fifth gospel, because it is so rich in laying the foundations for the theological understanding of who Jesus is and what he came to do and how this fits into God's plan and how his work in building up Israel and creating Israel and sending his Christ and the New Testament church all fit together as one. Now, let's take a look at Luke chapter 1 beginning in verse one this is the introduction to luke a couple things very quickly if you take a look at the first uh, few verses of the book of acts you will see that it's very obvious that the book of acts and the book of luke were written by the same person and they are companion volumes so to read luke first and then follow that with acts you'll see it follows very very naturally The second, the book of Acts, is a companion. It goes with the book of Luke. Who was Luke? Luke was a a Gentile, a convert. He traveled with St. Paul. He was a physician, and it is clear that he was very meticulous in his work. When you look at this first four verses of, uh, of the book of Luke, it talks about how Luke undertook to research the things which were being preached, it is obvious that Luke consulted with eyewitnesses. I mean, he says uh, that that's exactly what he did, and he and uh, he he also followed all things closely to write an orderly account for you. Uh, it's addressed to Theophilus, which is just uh, an individual. The book was dedicated to this individual. Other than that, he, he, he that name is not important. Uh, So that you may have certainty of the things which have been taught. What Luke is saying is others have tried to write these things down. Uh, Others have researched them. I am doing an extra thorough job. I am going to talk to the eyewitnesses, those who saw Jesus, those who were with him. And then I'm going to very carefully write an orderly account. Luke's gospel is the longest of the gospels and has a great many uh, um, uh, details in it. Now, Who did Luke talk to? Well, obviously Luke talked to Paul because he traveled with Paul. But Paul was not an eyewitness to the things that Jesus did during his life. Paul did not become a Christian until after Jesus was crucified and raised. But Paul, in his travels, did uh, run into an encounter and and talk with the other apostles. It's clear that Luke would have uh, uh, interviewed many, probably not all, but who knows, maybe even all of them, but at least many of them, and especially the key ones that Luke would have interviewed to find out what these stories had. Now, he was learning the stories already. Paul was teaching them the stories. The other Christians were teaching Luke the stories, but now Luke is going back and doing research to those who were there to talk to them, to get additional details in order to verify the, the, the accuracy of the stories that he was hearing. So he, no doubt, talked to a great many people, either apostles or others who were present at various things uh, in in the um, during the ministry of Jesus. The one person that it is obvious that Luke spoke to at length and that it doesn't appear that we have any other um, uh, uh, in depth um, discussions about is Mary. It's clear that Luke interviewed Mary and in the first two chapters of Luke are obviously the product and the fruit of his interviews with Mary. If you look at chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Luke, you will see that there is one person and only one person who was present at all of those events or present to talk directly to the eyewitnesses of those events. Mary was there to talk to Elizabeth and to talk to Zachariah about the events that happened with uh, the birth of john mary was obviously there when the angel came to her mary was obviously there with the birth of jesus mary was obviously there with the birth of john mary was obviously there when she and joseph took jesus into the temple uh, and she was there when jesus was 12 years old and come into the temple only she was there for all of those things and she would have supplied all the information for the first two chapters of the book of luke and luke includes these because of his detailed analysis and you know it's not unlikely that he would have looked at 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 uh, say mark or matthew and seen the things that were there and the things that weren't and in uh, uh added a great deal and augmented our knowledge and understanding of the infancy of jesus so we get a little uh bit of an understanding of the kind of man luke was very educated, but also very devoted to, what shall we say, accuracy, historical accuracy. He talked to the eyewitnesses and he laid out an orderly account of what they told him so that we may have certainty of the things which have been accomplished among us. That's what he says in these first four verses of this uh, Gospel of Luke.